welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. Hey Lloyd, welcome to the Mind Chimp Podcast. How are we doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm wonderfully well, my friend. Wonderfully well. So, Lloyd, before we even get into the good stuff, the first thing I kind of want you to do is I want you to pick four numbers from one to a hundred for me, please. One to a hundred. I'll go with 22. Yes. It's the date of my birthday. I'll go with number 10 because Harry Kane wears that. Okay. I'll go with 82 because I'm thinking football and and there's no footballers I can think of 82. Okay. And I'll go with 50. 50. Awesome. You probably know what's coming with these numbers, but we'll see you now <laughs> later on. So I guess, yeah, when when I ask my guests to come on the show, Lloyd, the first thing I do is to ask them to ca- t- tell me what their, their log line is. So can you remember what you said yours was? Yeah, so I would say that I curiously pursue the truth in a playful way. Okay, and I think... Uh, I, can, we'll, I think... I think yeah. we'll go jump into that in just a sec, for sure, <laughs> for sure. So, um... When you when when you was in school and the teacher said Lloyd, you should look you in the eye and this is baby Lloyd, maybe five years old Lloyd. She said, Lloyd, what is it you want to be when you grow old? Like older. What what is it you would say? I wanna play for Tottenham up front. Okay. That's it. Yep, that's it. That's a goal. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Well you asked me this question last time and I thought, um I think I thought too far ahead and I thought, no, that's always been there. Scoring the winning goal, which I did. When I made myself a football manager back in 2011. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we'll leave that there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, so I mean, obviously, Lloyd, we, we kind of talk back and forth when we talk about podcasts and whatnot, but maybe for my listeners who, who don't know who you are, maybe you could give us a bit of a whistle-stop tour of kind of where you've come from all the way up to kind of where you are now and, and what you're doing now. Okay. Um, wow. That's where I'm coming from. I'll try and... Um, keep this to the point. So one of seven, um, lots of brothers and sisters. All the boys begin with L, all the girls begin with H, but my mum and dad are called Barry and Sandra, so you figure that one out. Um, went through my studies. I studied sports sciences, so I got a sports science degree. I then um, dipped in and out. I did a master's degree in coaching sciences. I then did my PGC, became a teacher, um, and I taught something I never studied, which was anatomy and physiology. Um, which I loved and grew a passion for. I became a teacher trainer um, in that area. Uh, I then, um, in between, I did some freelance work. So I did um, randomly, as as things are with me, I did some freelance work in Doha, in Qatar, um, delivering health and safety training, or kind of trainer-trainer type stuff. I then um, got a job at EDF Energy. Um, so I was a uh, a simulation instructor. So I was designing training programs for like Homer Simpson's job, which actually is quite difficult. Um, but I had free weight, free reign. I went Jonathan Ross then, didn't I? I had free reign <laughs> from a, a pedagogical perspective um, and then kind of worked my way, way up into my current role as head of digital and innovative learning. Okay. Okay. So kind of a, a bit of a, you know, I, I guess when, when I was doing a bit of research on you, I, I noticed kind of, the background which you mentioned about you know the homer simpson <laughs> kind of why 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 that like what what was the what was the need of the urge or what kind of what what made you go there well i loved teaching i love the connection with the students and um my final year as a teacher i think it was my best ever um 
So they'd have their exams. And I got to, to a point where I could predict between five or 10% in anatomy and physiology, if students were going to pass or fail, broken down into particular modules as well. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I'm, my ego is coming out here. I had a fantastic set of students. Okay. I just loved that connection. And if I'm totally honest with you, I was, I've always been scared of this, this thing inside of all of us where we become stale. And I used to look around some people in the, in the office and I used to obviously train a lot of people, as I've already said, and they just didn't have, you know, something, the spark had just gone. So I wanted to, to leave on a high, really. Um, that and I've got a lot more time about <laughs> time back. But that passion inside of me, I wanted to take that somewhere else. And the chap who, um, who interviewed me at EDF Energy, his name's Mike Cogburn. He's a good friend now. He's since left the organization. Um, he just got it. He was like someone like you and I, he saw the world differently and um, let me do my, do my thing from a learning perspective. So I had some failures. And so, so I, I could sense by speaking to him that I'd be working for the right person. I think that's always massively important to work for the right person. I believe we work for individuals, not for, not for organizations, you know, however big or small they are. Yeah. 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 It's interesting you mentioned about stale. Like I don't want to jump into that, but I want you to remind me if you don't. Um, but I'll make a note. Yes, please do, <laughs> please do. But I guess kind of it's interesting. You kind of um, you, you mentioned, and this is going completely digressing off topic anyway, like we, we tend to do. But in talking about kind of you, you leave, you know, sorry, you work for people, not necessarily organisations, and I, I think that's really true. You know, I, I remember there was a couple of times where my boss has left and instantly once your boss goes, the team dynamic changes and you you instantly become a bit kind of unstuck. And it, and the company's still the company, like nothing really changes. But it's really interesting when that piece moves and the piece being your manager, right? You kind of go, hmm, so much doesn't feel right now. Yeah, I think everyone is absolutely wary of the douchebag, excuse the phrase, <laughs> um, because the douchebag aren't aware of themselves, are they? I think that's that's the biggest thing for me, um, and I've I think it's really important to be grounded. I think it's really important to know that life comes first. You know, yeah, young family and lots of people who work for me got um, family members as well, um, family members, you know, kids and whatnot to look after, and if you work for someone else's ego, it's just never going to be fun. Actually, I'll turn around and I'll look at a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Akel. And there's actually research to say that if the relationship between a manager and a worker is um, stressful, it can increase the likelihood of having a um, heart attack. So the science supports our opinion here. I mean, this this is always good. This is always a good good start <laughs> to a podcast when we bring science into it. I love it, Lloyd. <laughs> so, so I guess kind of, this kind of kind of links in, I guess, to to your logline a little bit, and and kind of, yeah. W- why why did you go with that logline? That that kind of summary. So, so the the key words I kind of haven't had in there. I think curious. I think you all, or oh, I'm really interested in new things, new people, how the world works, what the world looks like. Um, I remember my granddad before he passed away. He said, "Everyone knows about the world World War Two, but no one could ever smell the trenches." You know that that's always stuck with me. I, I, I'm very I want to understand how things things work, and I think that's either inside people or it's not. Um, I think on the pursuit thing for me, it's a, a journey. So um, whatever I'm trying to do, I'll try and have the end in mind. 
And I mean, so I would use the word try with an exclamation mark to be patient. I think sometimes it's just grounding yourself and saying, okay, I'm getting quite stressed out in life, in work or whatever, but where, what's the end point? And I think when you can take a step back and get reflect on the end point, I think um, that helps me. I think the truth, you know, I've already anally spoken about the happiness advantage. I think um, I'm always saying, okay, my, my opinions, how, how do these fare against facts? Um, you know, just because there's a fact presented today, that also doesn't mean it's a fact forever. And I think um, people forget that. They will hear, oh, research today has been released that states, what are we on now? Um, eggs are bad for you. They've got high levels of uh, saturated fat, um, you know, and, but <laughs> someone's going to do a research on that tomorrow and it might change. Yeah. But so we get very, people get very wed to, to even facts sometimes. I think you've still got to be open and be open to looking into new things. And that's why I love research in any, any guys. And at the end, you know, I'm sounding a bit pl- uh, serious. I think it's just important to, to be playful. I think no one's getting out of here alive. Um, I think the risk is that we all take ourselves too seriously. Um, being a parent is the most important thing to me. And I, I really want my kids to see that the playful energy I have, you know, the silliness. Hmm. It, it's interesting you mentioned facts. And I think, <clears throat> I think facts are like people's opinions. You know, sometimes you get so wedded to your own opinion that you, you, you don't have the, you know, I, I the way I see opinions is, I might, example, I'm going to use it in the learning context, I hate e-learning, but actually some some it might come later on down the line and actually it makes me reevaluate my opinion and at which point I'll only end up and go, I was wrong, you know what, I get it. But I think the problem is, is when you own a certain opinion for so, for so, so long, it becomes really scary to kind of change that opinion and, and, and that's like going back to kind of a fact, what you was mentioning is the fact is a fact now, but you know, there might be research data later on down the line, which kind of challenges that fact and actually it turns it on its head. So what do you think, I'm just bringing it into learning for a second, but why do you think learning struggle with, with that? So, I mean, let's look at something like a learning styles, you know, for yeah, years, yeah, yeah, and yeah. years and then all of a sudden it's like <clears throat> learning styles aren't a thing. <laughs> and then, then you still have people who turn around and go, actually, I've been making a, a fortune and my whole career talking about learning styles, who used to tell me it's not a thing. And it's, I don't know if it's just our, I don't think it's our industry. I think every industry is like this. I think because we're, you know, we're in the niche of L&D, but, that, but we think it's just us and it, we get that little box syndrome of, oh, it must be an L&D problem and not just an, a generic industry problem of wherever you work. But if I was to say to you kind of, <clears throat> why, why do you think there's so many close... Do you, in fact, it's a two-point question. Is he, is he a lot of closed minds within L&D, considering we're meant to have this open mind? And if he is, why do you think that is? I think I'd agree with you. I concur with your opinions. I think, um, I mean, the risk here is that, that I'll talk generally, but I'll talk on my observations because um, I don't know everyone in L&D. But, so what I see on social media, what I see on in public a lot of the times um, is an area, first of all, that's imprecise. I think learning, development, training, education, um, it's not a Venn diagram, you know, it's um, what, what the hell is, it's imprecise, it's not a clear area. Um, and the thing that gets me, it's not a clear area, yet some people decide to talk with such clarity. <laughs> mm. um, and so that kind of clarity is based on objective foundations, I'd, I'd say. 
or without evidence, and we come back to the truth. Um, so that's that's where my head's at. I think to your point about um, well, some people are more vocal than others, and there's kind of sometimes weird. You know, say learning styles you mentioned earlier. There's, there's sometimes like this patronising tone. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm tapping my nose here because it's kind of we've got the secret and we know it's not yeah. learning styles. It's learning preferences. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like what? And you're like, come on. Um, and I think everyone's trying to appear like an expert and everyone's trying to, everyone's answering questions. So when everyone's aren't answering questions, who's bloody asking them, right? Like you say, everyone wants to be um, an expert. And I think to your, to your point about learning styles, I think it's always an error graded me because if you are in the education sector, generally you'll talk about things like learning styles and you'll, you know, you use the term like learning preferences, because when you have the conversation with the student, you're not bogged down by those types of semantics. You'll just say, okay, how can I help you do what you need to do? And then you'll probably um, inadvertently touch upon um, metacognition because you're giving them this YouTube channel, you're showing them a podcast, you're demonstrating a technique to something, they start dicing a heart up, um, whatever. Um, But what what I found is learning styles is one thing, but actually no one ever, no one in L&D has ever spoke to me about differentiation. That is absolutely huge in education. Everyone focuses on one specific thing in our in our industry. I think there's there's other conversations to have. Um, the other thing I would say is back to that earlier point about you know science might prove something different in the future. There's such a thin line between learning styles and um, the preferences. As I said, um, I'm I'm going to step off my, um, my my box here. Um, I think my frustrations come through. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. So, so when I do these podcasts, <clears throat> I am aware that I sound like I'm, I'm giving LD a bad name. And the questions I pose, I try not to be weight. I try to be really impartial. But I think we have to have these conversations out loud in order for us to go, okay, yeah, it talks a point. Because I will be the first person to my hand up and say, I kick e-learning like there's no tomorrow. And when I say e-learning, I'll be very precise. A click next to e-learning. That's what I'm talking about. And yeah, surrendous. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and but the problem is, is it's the easy thing to kick, and like I, I realized that probably it was probably last year. I was like, I'm just gonna stop talking about this now. It's like, it's pointless. It's pointless. And and what what I see as well is this regurgitation of someone's idea and, and wrapping it up as your idea, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, there's that whole thing of actually, you might not even realize you've seen that a year later on down the line, I mean, you do think it's generally your idea. But I don't know. Like, I, I want this podcast, I, I will do a podcast around LD and talk about everything what I love about it. Fundamentally, there's a reason why we're still in what we're doing. But I feel like we need to have these conversations and, and address these things. And I think sometimes it can feel like we're being very general. And when we have to be in a podcast like this, for sure. Um but I think it's there's so much value in having this conversation and saying, you know, we use the learning styles there because it's easy one to talk about. But you know, we we have to have these conversations in order to either say shut up talking about it now, or actually, like you said, like there's better things to be talking about. So it's well, I think it's it's kind of I think the work that you do is great, and you have a great mind, um, and. It was you talking there, it's kind of, we all adopt this, this kind of apologetic tone for having a critical thought. But actually, you know, they are the, look at journalists. You know, if, we have, if we had a journalistic mindset, um, 
progress would happen a lot quicker, right? Mm. Journalists ask the right questions, the questions that annoy people, the questions that spark the right type of debate. They don't, you know, if a journalist interviewed, we've got Trump here at the moment, right? You know, journalists ask Trump easy questions. There'd be no digging around. There'd be no, what, what actually, what, what's your policy? What, when we'd look at trade deals, um, what do you specifically mean when you talk about the NHS? It would be all fluffy. You know, it's important to ask these types of questions. Yeah, and I think... I think so. I, I did a post a couple of weeks ago about L and D being dead, and and kind of actually is it a case it just needs completely remastering. And actually, I would love to create a team and and shape what I would want my team to look like. And actually, what I pretty much turned around and said is, there's other industries what are doing. There's a reason why all of a sort of media companies and marketing companies are stepping into L and D's turf because they realise they can do these things better. And and that's kind of my argument. Um, and it's really interesting. I think it got like fifteen thousand views. But only a few comments. I was like, that kind of summed up the L and D for me, the community at the moment. There's many, many people kicking the dead horse, but actually, and they asked the question: If I'm wrong, tell me. If I'm right, tell me. And I literally got probably what five comments on it. I was like, that's because there's so many people who's scared of change because a lot of their livelihoods depend on on maybe classroom or something. And then there's also some who really don't know and, and kind of they're comfortable with sitting on that fence. And it's a, but I think you need these provocateurs 100%. You need these people to challenge it. But then I also think you need to engage them in that conversation in order to get further with it rather than it just being a, a statement and forgot about. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd also I'd also say there's probably a lot uh, in a, a large audience in that fifteen thousand who are you know the Facebook stalkers. They don't do much, but mm-hmm. they're soaking it all up um, as well. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm fair play to him. Fair play to him. I just I was waiting for good debate on it. I was waiting, but <laughs> build it and they will not come. Um, so I guess like maybe maybe for for our listeners, maybe you can give us a bit of a an overview of what a day in your professional life looks like. Um, well, no, no day is the same. Um, and I don't, and the reason is I do an awful lot of travel. Um, so I quite often, so I'm based in the Southwest, um, about 20 minute train ride from Bristol. So maybe two or three times a week, I'll be in London, um, which I love because the company I work for is flexible. So I don't have to move to the, uh, grand smoke. Um, and when I'm in London, it might be one-to-ones with my boss. It might be senior leaders in the organization. I'm having conversations with talking about their plans, talking about their people development uh, bits and pieces. At the moment, a lot of my time's one-to-ones with teams, team members. So we've gone through a, a restructure at the end of last year where in our department, we moved, removed manager positions. So as a head of, I've got a lot of direct line reports. So a lot of my, a lot of my time is also spent having those types of having you know, one-to-one conversations with my team members, you know, making sure they're okay, making sure they're cool and supporting them um, where possible, which I love because I love working with people. I absolutely have enjoyed enjoyed um, that this year. And outside of that, um, probably once a month, I'm either, either speaking somewhere or I'm part of a conversation, you know, like a breakfast morning, which, which again, I enjoy because bringing the outside in um, is vitally, vitally important for, for, for my role. Um, and then like everyone else, really, I'm, I'm doing the boring stuff, the governance calls, you know, the weekly head of function meeting calls. Um, but I will try and be ruthless. I will try and be ruthless with, with my time where possible. Um, 
yeah not not yeah, it doesn't really sound fun does it but no I think, I, it, <laughs> I think it sounds awesome i think it sounds awesome i think i like the fact that the first thing you talked about was the people rather than the necessarily tech and innovation and whatever else like your first go-to that i listened to was talking about actually people in your team so and what so how long have you been in 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 the role of having these team members about what two years three years so I've been, yeah, I've been in this role for about two, two and a bit years with the new team structure since January, but in the, yeah, in the role two and a bit years. So what's been your biggest learning from the, from the restructure to where you are now as a manager? And, and, and hmm. let's, you can use, I think manager and leader are two different things, but equally important. Um, but yeah, let's do it as, as a leader, actually. The biggest learning, um, Be direct when you need to be direct. I think we all have uh, an active voice. We spoke about it with you already having an opinion. If you've got an opinion, just say it. So when I started the role, it was, ah, oh, shit, I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do I do next? Um, so I did my 100-day plan. I did everything like that. I went and, you know, I did the tick box stuff. I went and spoke to the senior stakeholders. I was going to change the world. I was writing the strategy and all of those buzzwords. But yet you're still sitting you know, maybe group meetings or other meeting, you, you got an opinion. And, and I think anyone really who works in innovation or create creative areas, you've got this horrible thing where you're like, oh, for crying out loud, why is my brain always thinking different stuff? Mm. Um, and once I got over that, that's the biggest thing really, because then I could see, oh, I'm, I'm offering a different type of value here. And then you really get the sense of when we all, when everyone would do that, it, it is, you know, diversity and inclusion in many ways all of everyone's opinions no one's right no one's wrong but you can then truly build um so yeah i think that was the biggest learning curve for me okay that, that's really interesting so so kind of touching upon the buzzwords i'm going to give you a few buzzwords now and i want you to tell me what comes oh, to mind God. um oh, and yeah don't think about it just tell me literally what comes yeah to i'm mind. shutting my eyes so i'm just gonna it might be random okay you ready digital transformation bullshit e-learning too old Classroom. Authentic. Innovation. Always happening. The future of learning podcast. <laughs> um, a new chapter that's yet to be written. Ooh, okay. So you can't give us this little, this little bite size and kind of tell us what's happening. So I, I kind of want to get into this podcast, Lloyd, and, and you know, your podcast is an awesome podcast. Um, I'm personally a subscriber of it. You know, I looked forward to it when it came out and stuff. But yeah, what? Well, you as I said before, you're a massive help. Um, so, what's the plan with it? Yeah, yeah. I think if I stick back to my thing I learned most, if I stick with my authentic voice, I got to a point where I I felt that either I was not offering the value I intended. So the conversations are probably not authentic to me, not not the people I'm talking to later on. Or I had lots of people who asked to be on the show and some I asked to be on the show and I, I just kind of canceled that in the end. Um, the people I spoke to, I love absolutely loved it. Um, and it felt for me, it was exciting. It was a new journey. I don't like BAU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted, um, I just felt I, I could offer something else. Um, on top of that as well, at the same time I was doing I had a big personal investment in my charity work last last year. 
um, with the Going Sober for the November Foundation. That took a lot of energy out of me. Um, and so with my creative juices, I've been, I've been planning something um, that I'd like to do uh, probably around Q3 this year. Um, yeah, and that's where, if I'm honest with you, that's where it's at. <laughs> okay, okay. So I don't want to dig in it too much. I want it to be a surprise for, for your listeners and stuff. But yeah, talk to me a bit about this Movember. Because obviously it was really important to you, like you mentioned. And, and if I'm right, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I could be. But the idea was, was it, there was awareness piece, weren't it, of your podcast for Movember? Am I right in saying that? Yeah, the um, the podcast itself was like this idea that I had, that everyone has, right? <laughs> um, but I had at the time in order to really generate money for the charity. So um, the so my background, a, a long time ago, I had a car crash and I had PTSD. Um, and I really struggled. I really, really did struggle. It was a tough time. Um, but through lots of support from therapy to loved ones, you know, I got through it and I wanted to do something significant to offer it back and offer back to charities and raise awareness. So there's a stat that three out of every four suicides in the UK are male. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a very um, alarming statistic. The mm. rise testicular cancer, great success rates if it's discovered earlier, but men being men, they don't talk about these types of things and prostate cancer um, by the World Health Organization predicts by 2030, it will be the most prominent of all cancers, including cancers that both men and women can get. So there's a narrative there that I thought I could help out with. So I just, what I tried to do really was start conversations. So I had like mates having a go at me because I was tweeting, you know, check your balls and here's a diagram and how to do it. But they'd be in a shower weirdly and they'd be thinking about me and it would prompt them to check, check their testicles and stuff like that. And I did a couple of speeches at conferences on mental health. And so that was it. So the link, um, and I, I digressed on that, apologies, because it's it a passionate cause. And the link to the podcast was, I always had this idea and then, and then just penny dropped, how could I make them both work together? So do something. And in my utopian mind, every single episode would be sponsored by charity and there'd be donations <laughs> going in. And, and that, that didn't work. But what I did find was some very um, wonderful people and organizations did donate. And, you know, we, we, some of us had agreements to put their logos on my website and I'd read out a, a bit during the podcast. But when people were asking me when I, in my fr- with my freelance hat on to go and speak at conferences, um, there were a couple mental health ones outside of L&D. I said, look, happy to do with it. All I would ask is, can you make a, a, a donation into this page? And, you know, people, people donated. So that, that, that was the, uh, that's where the uh, idea was born from. Uh, and I can remember, because I think you've got quite a good following on Instagram as well. Because yeah. we, we was having conversations and I was talking about like, well, this is my approach. And you're saying actually you've got quite a good following on Instagram and, and whatnot. And I think I remember seeing them. Um, I think it. I think it might have either been on your on your timeline on Instagram, like, or it might have been on Twitter. And it was kind of like an, an infographic and stuff of kind of going back to that, you know, check your balls and uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought it was it was it was so good to watch. It was so good to kind of watch. And and for me, yeah, it was it was a good awareness piece. You know, I'm I'm more than happy to check my balls, but that doesn't mean that everybody is. And I thought actually, if it's making yeah. me who's aware of this. And actually, the people who aren't actually—if that gives them that nudge, what we need, then you know, it's served its cause, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, the one of the um, intangible goals 
intangible goals, I should say, that I had was to save someone's life. And so when I was like, oh God, I've got to do this again, or I've been traveling all day in a hotel room and I do one of my selfie videos, it took me about six months to feel comfortable doing. <laughs> um, it'll be it'll be that type of, it was that really goal that I couldn't see. Well, I thought, no, I'm, I, I want to do this. I need to do this. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's really important that you mention that, Arlen, because for anyone who... And I was talking to um, Ross from from Good Practices podcast, yeah. And we was talking about podcasts, and he said, "Actually, I spend a lot of my time telling people not to do podcasts because they don't understand the effort and the time, and and kind of you know, let's just say I've got thirty podcasts now, raw files. I've got to edit them, cut them. I've got to do all the audio on them, and I and I, I say cut them. I do minimum editing. The only thing I do is balance the volumes." But when you go through your social and you go through kind of, okay, they didn't want this bit in or, you know, I've recorded them talking about breakfast, which probably isn't that important. Um, but I don't think anyone sees it. And then I kind of think you you did that and then you did, then you had your blog, which you kind yeah. of captured the stuff. And we were talking probably before we went live about actually how much time it is. And it's, it's got to be important, right? It's got to be important for you to kind of make you want to do it because I'll be honest, Sometimes when I'm finishing work and then I go, okay, I've got two podcasts back to back on. I'm like, I just kind of want my evening. Like, yeah, I know, it's... I know. And I messaged you earlier, like I'm having my dinner. I was like, okay, mate, okay, okay. <laughs> but I fully, I fully get it. I, um, you have to have. Go back to that curiosity thing I said at the start. It's either you, it's either in you or it's not. I think because it, if you're gonna do it properly, um, it, it is an investment in time. It's, but you know, for me, I, I came away from last year thinking, wow. I kind of felt like if I wanted to in a future, not if I wanted to, but it opened up a potential different career path, um, maybe in comms and marketing. And I, I just enjoyed learning about that stuff, about you know the types of pictures to put in LinkedIn versus Twitter because you'll get a better interaction and engagement on the algorithm. All that type of stuff was um, was great. But I'm with you. It's yeah, it's people just think it's just flick on the microphone and do it because even now, like I know where you'll be at. I don't know exactly where your head is at. Is this the type of conversation you were expecting? Are you pivoting? How you can move the conversation on? Man, the respect I got for anyone that does a podcast, um, does it does it properly, stupidly high. You know, I, I I know what it's like in that in that place right now. Well, it's kind of like I think um, if I put out eighty hours worth of podcasts, I reckon it's it's kind of double, triple the hours in what it takes to kind of put it all together. Yeah. And I just think that's the stuff what kind of happens behind closed doors. And I think for season three, I will completely change my approach. Um, I don't know how yet. I think I'd know how, but I, but that's going to be a completely different approach and it's going to require even more time to do. And it's just going to I be... Had, um, Go on. Yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to say I'm with you because in the first series, I started to... To you start to then consider, you know, on a Sunday night at half past ten, uh, <laughs> um, potentially outsourcing. And I tried it, and I was just like, "Nah, I'm not doing this." And I paid someone to edit. I didn't use it. Did it all myself again. And it's, it's again that type of stuff. So, you know, you, you you cut if you cut corners, you might as well not do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's a great shout. Definitely. I think it's um, it's an interesting one, and and everything what I do with this mindchimp brand is my experiments and I'm looking in the fact of my brand if it fails it fails if it wins it wins if a podcast wins great if it fails great I've learned I've learned a shitload from from doing a podcast I've learned a shitload from building community 
and learn a shitload from kind of doing meetups and creating events. Like all this and that mindship, like the, the, the amount of personal learning what I've got from it is so valuable. And it's like you said, you, you know, you start thinking about comms and marketing and, and, and there's its value for us personally, I guess, along with your own personal goal. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. And, and kind of talking of failures and, and, you know, I've had, I've had a few things where I've failed in the past and hopefully none of these will be them and, and so far they haven't been, but I'm I'm due one, definitely due one. Mm-hmm. If I was to ask you kind of, so we go through this corporate world of kind of saying you need to be the best and when it comes for interviews, you need to be the best and you need to say, I did this, I did that and everything was successful and I think actually there's more value to saying, when did you fail? And actually, mm. so if I was to say to you, Lloyd, what... If, if you was to write out a failure resume or a failure CV, what would your failure CV look like? And maybe it's just one of the things, but what, what jumps out to you when I say that? Yeah, it's a lovely question. I think there's, there's, not, there's not anything per se that sticks out because I'm something cool. If something happens, I'll be like, oh man, this is gutting, but I can very quickly get over it. Um, but I think if I was to then surmise some of the attributes or characteristics, it's better uh, better term to use. I think initially, for anyone in, in learning development, I think it's been subservient. You know, you go into uh, your senior stakeholders in a business unit and you want to impress, and they say, can you do that? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah, can we do this? No, we can do And then you, uh, you know, you're just, you're just a yes person. You're not, you're not, whatever phrase you want to use, business partner, whatever, you're not really challenging. Um, you're not adding value. I think that, that for me has been um, a failure and it's a failure I see in a lot of people. Um, but I think we'll all go back to the earlier thing. We're all, all on our journey. I think um, I'm horrendous at time management, honestly horrendous. If I had to go, if I had to go um, and pick up my kids, well, which I often do at school, I cannot, I've got no concept of time between two thirty and three. And I, that's, that's not some weird joke. It's just, that's it. So that gets me into a lot of troubles. But again, I think, um, just be honest with people, right? So that, that comes back. Just don't don't bullshit. Just just be honest, which I'm I'm learning to be. Um, failures as well. What if I if I now reflect on some projects, some projects. I think probably some of the the, the failures we had being involved in tech is that we there's always a balance between a push and pull in terms of we want to use this technology and does it fit up to the business problem and vice versa so i think there's lessons learned there sometimes just waiting waiting for that right opportunity rather than trying to force a piece of technology and i say that because quite often then when you do the analysis if you try and look at your figures afterwards it's you know you've got nothing to work with um that's probably one of the things and the lesson the final lesson learned maybe is leading a team it's that Alex Ferguson staying, you know, don't look for conflict. There's a lot of conflict out there. Just wait for it to find you. I think that's that's the biggest thing. You know, wait, don't send someone a message on Slack. Don't send them an email. And I'm saying this and people are thinking, oh, oh, well done, Einstein. You figured that one out, did you? But we all, we all go through it. I think it's just, just you're dealing with human people, human beings. Just wait until you see them. And, you know, by the time you see them, you probably have a better sense of, is it even worth saying? Because they probably know. Given given things needed or not needed, so that's probably it. Okay, so and this is kind of the reason why I wanted to get into the podcast early because I thought you might use this as a get out clause. So excluding your podcast, what's been your <laughs> what's been your biggest? And this can be personal or professional, but 
What's been your biggest or personal success in the last 12 months? And so the yeah, charity and, thing? Yeah. Yeah, the charity thing. I'm not having a beer for 12 months. Uh, like, man, that was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that. So that, that you know, jokes aside, that was a, that was a big achievement. Um, I did some half marathons, but they didn't really feel like achievements. I can think of better things for that. Um, I have, in my spare time, started a course with the London School of Journalism, doing a postgraduate um, diploma with them. I'm nearly done on the first module, and I'm doing it in my spare time in the evenings. I've been speaking and interviewing my local councillors. I've been researching about the government. I've been writing reviews on um, Dumbo, the latest movie. That I've fully immersed myself into that, and then that, had, whilst I'm I'm nearly at the finish line, that for me is something that really sticks out. Oh wow! Okay, sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. Um, side note: <laughs> What was your personal review of Dumbo? It was terrible. I think all of these, um, the Disney films are classics. You can't just remake a classic, right? I think they're pitched, they're patched together. Mm. I think the characters are inconsistent. Have you seen it? Yeah, I think the characters are in, inconsistent. Um, I think the, you know, where Dumbo's learning to fly and, you know, it's dumb, is um, dumb. His, his, wing, his ears, bloody ears, his ears stop flapping <laughs> and he can't fly, but he is flying. But you cut from that scene to him bloody jumping off at the top and he's whizzing around, flying to his mum. I'm like, wait a minute, how yeah. did that happen? Yeah. Um, my wife told me to shut up and my kids enjoyed it. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I I wanted it to be something it wasn't. And, and kind of, I like Dumbo. I've kind of always liked Dumbo. Um, I liked what we did with the actual elephant, especially the emotions in the eyes. I thought mm-hmm. we nailed that really well. Um, what's the director's name? Who did it? What's his oh, name? um... Oh God! Don't do this to yourself, Lloyd. Because um, I know Danny Hoffman did the soundtrack. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. It didn't feel like a Tim Burton film at all to me. No, that's exactly what I was going to say to you. It didn't feel very yeah. Tim Burtonish at all. Um, I like Danny DeVito. I like him in kind of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Obviously, a completely different character, like. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was interesting, and I kind of think there's you know now you're seeing Aladdin, and then and then kind of. Um, Lion King's coming out, and then the Jungle Book thing was kind of done again, I think. But yeah, kind of, I think it shows the lack of creativity in Hollywood as gem- in general. And you know, if you've got to go back to original ideas, and there's a bigger question to be answered, which is a shame, really, which is a shame. But um, kind of off topic. But so, if I was to say to you, right, okay, then, what you're coming out of um. A, a, football stadium and and let's say it's Spurs yeah after a defeat yeah, yeah. tremendous stadium yeah and, and and kind of there's a billboard and you can put anything you want on that billboard and it, it can be a message you can make the billboard interactive you can do whatever you want with that billboard but a million people are going to look at that and engage with it or engage with it what would you do or what would you put on it calm is contagious Okay, okay. Care to elaborate? Yeah, I think it's easy. Sometimes it's easy to get angry in situations. Sometimes I see people getting panicky. We see, 
projects, you know, the timeline's going to go, or the budgets, everyone's, everyone's losing their heads. And this is just, an, this is not just at work, right? I think, yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of work to be calm whilst not being blasé. That is an effort. Okay. Okay. You're calm, you're rational, you make better informed decisions, coming back to the truth and being objective. Um, yeah, I see a lot of people panic, fluster. You know, I, I do those things, right? If we see anyone see me on a stage, I'll get like everyone else. But I think trying to ground yourself, and I know if we're going to mindfulness type of things, I don't know, but trying to ground yourself and be calm whilst everyone else is losing their heads is, um, yeah, is an achievement. Okay, okay. Kind of taking this a little bit different way. Can you remember? Can you remember the kind of <clears throat> the first time you ever got in trouble, and and what you did? I was an absolute. I've already told you I was one of seven, right? School of hard knock. I was a terrorway when I was a young lad. So I can probably think of a few situations. Let me go through. So, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, doing doing things that young boys do. Yeah, on yeah, uh, yeah. I won't give you a specific example. Okay. Okay. So, so kind of, I think it's... I'll tell you what, I told my school teacher to spank my ass and call me Charlie once and I got booted out for three days. <laughs> <laughs> I watched South Park on the Friday on Channel 4. <laughs> it has, it has a, it, it, you know, South Park has a lot of, um, a lot of things to kind of, yeah, a lot of children have, have a lot to blame on South Park, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember South Park. It was, uh, it was an interesting show. It was definitely an interesting show. So kind of going back to maybe before, you know, I don't know how old you was when you asked the teachers to spank your ass and call it Charlie, but, <laughs> but kind of, if I was to say to you, explain what you do to a five-year-old, how would you explain what you do? Oh, I love that question. What do I, what do I say? Well, I've got a five-year-old, so I'm picturing talking to my youngest, Georgia, I try things and see if they work. No, I try fun things and see if they work. That's okay. what I would say. Okay. So in your role right this second, and, and this can be again, 12 months, what's the most fun thing you've done? Oh, wow. So many things. Um, we've, I've gone to the state of Georgia um, and benchmarked. Um, a project when I when I started you know the Homer Simpson project I referenced earlier that was a lot of fun um, we've done some awards we won some awards those were you know uh, I'm not I'm not bigging up the award here I'm saying the night was fun uh, in the, in the <laughs> with the team um, we've gone through a restructure and built a new team that's been fun that's been really fun to work with people new people and follow them on their their own journey i've got to go to paris a number of times uh and trying to teach myself french that's fun so i think what i'm saying is the experiences i've had have been really fun okay okay and uh, and it was interesting when you mentioned about suicide and whatnot and a little bit earlier i was kind of thinking about so obviously my kind of world if you like is experience design I was reading recently about how they've done this thing now on bridges, how to make bridges, because I was reading about suicide and, you know, yeah, some yeah. bridges and have a very approach to experience design for bridges and kind of actually making a bridge not be this isolated place and making it feel so much, much different. I think 
Um, it was China. China had one where he was kind of saying it was nudging along. It was nudging you through the bridge, kind of like it was prompting you to move and move and move to a telephone box. Um, Name it is a really big bridge. And actually what they've done is they've asked lots of school kids to write little messages on the bridge. So I like this kind of this this approach. Whether it's kind of impactful or not, I don't know. But you know what? If it buys 10 seconds for someone to walk past and save someone's life. Like, like last year, my brother stopped someone from jumping off a bridge. And I remember this. Yeah, maybe saying yeah. Yeah, and um, he said it was the most impactful experience he's ever had. And yet, he didn't jump off a bridge or anything like that. He was talking about kind of having how how he had to talk him down and how he had to say, actually, it's not just you now; it's me because you brought me into your world and you do this. And it was kind of I found it really impactful. And actually, I don't know. I think bridges is a scary one for me. I mean, all suicides scary, right? Like you know, whether it be bridges, whether it be overdose, whether it be what not. But yeah, I I don't understand where my thought pattern went, and it just it just went. Completely. But it's very interesting. The the China bridge design thing is very interesting. Um mm. and you're right, it's a very um it's a topic that needs not to be normalized, but it's a topic that needs to be discussed. Um because it's a serious problem. It's a scary and serious problem. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. And I I, I used to do this piece when I was used to be over at O2 and I used to say I used to tell them this story about this guy who kind of never got acknowledged. And, and and we see it all the time in work, you know. We'll walk past each other. Are you all right? Yeah, you all right? Yeah, walk on. And I actually think we never ever stop and go, no, honestly, are you all right? Like, you know, we say, oh, are you okay? And then walk on. We never really hang around to wait for the, the true response. And I, I used to tell this story, storytelling piece around this guy who kind of became invisible. All the signs were there that something was going to happen. Anyway, but he kind of makes his way to this bridge and... and fast-tracking story um and as he's about to step off a bridge he turns around and a, a car drives past him and a little kid in the back waves at him and he steps back over onto the bridge and walks away please get him and then say do we mind asking you why he stopped and he said because for a split second somebody noticed me and i just think that's that for me is the scary thing within culture especially in corporate how many people are walking around with these fake smiles on who actually inside are really sad Mm-hmm. It's that's the scary thing, and I think when we talk about employee experience and you know the bigger picture of culture and stuff, I think that's the biggest problem to address more than anything. Definitely, but um, sorry, we took that very very deep there, didn't we? Like, sorry about <laughs> that. Um, so so kind of what's <clears throat> what's the problem? What's the biggest problem you're facing now? And this could be yeah. Let's keep let's let's go into L and D in L and D. What is it you're facing right now? <laughs> yeah, I can start taming up my bins and my cat. He won't come in. Um, <laughs> so L and D biggest problem, I think for us um, is uh, so we're having the conversation internally about LMS. Do we need an LMS? And what's the LMS? <laughs> and it's kind of like why we've used the word LMS we define the problem already you know what's the problem we're trying to achieve so that that's one thing um that's quite big but there's a there's two big ones there's that one and i mentioned the design of the team and so making sure that we're supporting the business units as much as possible best possible um so we've got like a we've put together like a process an agile process if you like yeah, use the word there. Yeah. Um, but just making sure that we're we're transparent 
I think making sure that we deliver impact um, is is the biggest challenge. Okay, so I want to dip into them. So talk to me about LMS. So kind of, do you have an LMS now already in house? Is that kind of already set in? And and are you looking at and going, do we rip it out, or, or kind of do you not have anything in place right now? Yeah. So so when I joined, <laughs> the caveat for um, the company had already uh, procured a Moodle system, which is fantastic. It's the world's biggest. You know, I wouldn't call it um, LMS, I call it a virtual learning environment um, from Australia. Um, I'll stop waffling because people listening probably know what Moodle is. Um, and it was great because it could be built bespoke and it could add different things in, but it was absolutely horrendous for the teams from an administration perspective. So like everywhere, we need to prove people are doing certain things. And the company I work for uh, are involved with low carbon energy. So people who are working on... Um, power stations or you know health and safety environments they have a the the um the governor the what am i looking for anyway the the governing body of them <laughs> the words <laughs> lost me we must prove stipulate that they have to be you know the phrase in ticket so for, for the specific programs and so that's that's our, one of our biggest challenges mm-hmm. um like lots of other organizations well actually this year we did focus groups with our people so we went around to all of our different sites and just did like breakfast mornings for our internal colleagues and um they were telling us that there's uh oh there's the process isn't simplified to book a course to get learning it's password fatigue we've got three different networks for security purposes and what you can do in one network isn't the same as another so if you share a youtube video so all all of these things are, are the crux of the issue Okay, so I think it's really interesting with LMS and there's a piece in, in this thing, this talk, what I'm doing and I've kind of brought this talk up in literally every episode of my podcast and I can't help it because I feel like it's addressing a few big problems and one of the things is, do we need an LMS? Um, my, when someone says about an LMS, I'm like, probably not. You probably just need a community. That's probably what you need first and foremost. And fundamentally, if you if you do need an LMS, you probably need a really lightweight one, what is very just for compliance. The rest of the stuff doesn't need to be LMS focused. But, you know, obviously we don't know in your world. I find it, it's an interesting question that do we need an LMS? Because like you say, it's like if you've already defined a problem, you've you've already said, you've, you've gone yeah, solution, yeah. solution, not you personally, but, you know, that's kind of what we do, right? We go solution, 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 LMS, LMS, LMS. And I think actually in this vendor space right now, there's so much smoke and mirrors between what's being marketed and what you actually get, that it's a, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one if you do decide for an LMS. It's a tricky one to pick in the right one. And actually, you know, let's throw in some other buzzwords. LMS, learning experience platform, blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> get our LRS out as well, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> you've got to get that by buying. So it's like, it's an interesting debate and, and I think it's one where we'll never end until the next thing comes out and next thing and... And then actually when someone realizes, shit, we've got everything we need around us and we don't need this other new platform. Um, I think it's a secret organization that no one sees. Maybe they're alien life forms and they are actually keeping e-learning alive and they realize the only way to keep e-learning alive is to promote all of these different LMSs. That's what I think is happening. Wow. There we go. <laughs> this has just turned into a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> Theories 101. <laughs> Let me so, just put that out. Thank you. <laughs> so, all right. And so we, we know what your your kind of problem, your problems are with LMS and kind of, you know, the, you talk about, you know, actually 
being of value to the business and being transparent. Mm. So if I was to come around to you and say, I've got this problem, or I'd have an LMS and being transparent, how would you address the problem if it was mine? Good question. I think um, I like the questions that surround how, okay, how do you know you've, you know, what, what things do you tell you that you've got this problem? Um, is it an opinion? Is there any data, you know? Um, you say you're getting loads of requests. How, how many, you know, <laughs> how many of those things? What would, what would life look like if you didn't have um, this thing you wanted? Would it be the end of the world? How would you, how would you adapt? I think I'd probably pivot around those questions. Mm. Yeah, it's always good to kind of add new world and old world and comparing. And actually, you know, does the does the platform make the new world possible, or is it just you and your figmented kind of your crazy mind thinking? A bit like how we are. The new iPhone's going to change our life. The new LMS is going to change our 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 world, our corporate world. It's a it's a it's a weird one. It's a weird one. But, I love standing in, in the future as well. By the way, as I said earlier, I think this bit like a meditative exercise and saying okay in two years time if you didn't have this problem what what would you you know what what have you done to get to that place where you're feeling happy and working backwards from there i don't know i'm telling you i'm to suck eggs here aren't i but um it really works well for me in my mind yeah and i think we talk about kind of reverse engineering from the end point back and I, i wonder how many people actually do that actually how many do that as a process and going this is where it is and let's work backwards i think people a lot of people talk about it right but if you don't actually do it and actually in order to do that correctly you have to stand in the future right it's it's kind of the first thing to do on that but it's i think it's a tricky one to master that to be honest kind of standing in the future and 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 kind of going okay you know what what does that look like now it's there or no it's not there or whatever I think it's a, it's a good it's a good skill, but I think it's a hard one to kind of master as well. I think you need to be vulnerable. I think you need to be open in you know in both those ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So all right, and so I guess kind of you know we're talking about vulnerability. When was the last time you was out of your comfort zone, and when was the last time you was vulnerable? Oh God. Um, and actually, I want I, I want I want to branch off that as well, and I want yeah. that, I want that in professional and personal maybe. It happens a lot. Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> um, so, um, here we go. Do, 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 do. Look at me trying to think of some big, impactful thing. I think, um, I think you know, last night, so I coached a football academy team, uh, Western Football Club, um, and we're doing fitness tests. And I got a friend who's a strength and conditioner at Bristol City Ladies Team. Um, he's done very well. He's very well. Chris's name is. Um, and I sent Chris a number of tests I thought we could do. And he was like, mate, you know, those those days of me being a knowledge are gone. <laughs> he was like, mate, I've, I've just given him e-learning, put it that way, <laughs> in his world. And he's torn them up. So I've gone bleep tests, you know, squats in a minute, all that type of stuff. And he's given me all these different tests and apps and things. And yeah, wow. Um, and so I had all these parents watching all of the, the kids ready to do it. And so just trying these new, t- it was out, I was out of my comfort zone, but I liked it. I was learning something, I've all, learning something new. Um, so that's probably a, a personal one, but stuff like this, those types of, com- I'm always trying to put myself out of my comfort zone. Um, and then professionally, do, 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 do. I think 
um, having conversations with people and saying that they don't, they don't, their job no longer exists is a very hard conversation to have. Mm. I mean, how do you even prep for that, right? It's kind of, I, I remember when I was at O2 and I had to tell somebody, he had just, he's literally, his, his, his wife had just given birth. I remember you, at O2 kind of, and I say O2, it's O2 Tesco Mobile, I and mean, you weren't allowed to give that news over the phone. Yeah. And it was like, you got to have this conversation with him. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But he's literally just had a baby girl. Like, and to ask him to come into the office to say, oh, your job's not available. I don't, it's hard, isn't it? Like, you can master delivering a message. But especially with, like, with you, Lloyd, I'm assuming these people who you've had these conversations with have been in your team, you know them personally. It's been on nights out, all that type of stuff. I think, um, so if I have a one to one and I know, you know, that. I try and read a lot of psychology books um, and that, n- none of them still, I think, are better than the chimp paradox, I must say, in terms of tangibles you can use after. And so if I have a one-to-one with someone, I'll say, you know, what do you want to cover today? I'll have all my bullet points and I just think it's a great way to get that, get their, everyone's got a chimp, haven't they? You know, everyone's got a rock in their pocket or something. Yeah. Let's let's nail that. Let's sort your stuff and let's go through that. When it comes through to, um, uh, what's it called? having those types of conversations i just don't i just think the best way is just to be you know pull the trigger as quickly as possible mm. be direct you know be passionate afterwards but people don't want it. it's like when you give anyone feedback they just wait for, some people just wait for the result right and so it's a big deal so um that's what i that that's my my approach really i took rightly or wrongly that might change with experience but i thought no one wants the crap here they just want to know yeah. so let me let me let me tell you and I'll tell you why. And I'll also fully understand and I fully get, and I don't expect you even want to listen to me, but I'll try and do my best and I'll try and do what feels right. And if I was telling my kids what I did, I, in my heart of hearts, um, believe that I try to do the best I can. And I think um, it was even difficult reflecting in my mind as I'm saying that. I think that's that's all we can do, right? And maybe life will make it better. <laughs> yeah. For me, that is. Yeah, no, Definitely. So, your podcast is called The Future of Learning. Mm-hmm. So, what is The Future of Learning? And I, and I don't mean your podcast, but what do you see it as? Good question. I go straight away to tech, don't I? <laughs> um, I definitely I definitely think it involves human experience and human intervention. Yeah. Um, so, and I say that in a way, it's, it's not just class... So it's, I'm not going to say classroom, I'm not going to say blender, I'm not going to say that, but humans um, will be involved somewhere mm-hmm. since the dawn of time. I mean, just look at this. I think if you look at the success rates of language learning <laughs> um, digitally and face to face, well, okay, you get my point. I think um, technology is obviously going to play a massive, point, massive part. I think we were, we were banging on last time we spoke about voice. I just still don't really believe that people get voice. People don't, I don't think they get it. And I think when you talk about it, they're like, yeah, you know, my Alexa doesn't understand me. I'm like, mate, it's, you know, <laughs> why, why are you thinking about today? It's the, it's the technologies on, on a journey. That's, um, that's my opinion. I think, I think mandatory training will be happening in cars, electric cars, driverless cars in the future, which will be connected to some ticketing system. I think um, my daughter will be learning in, in such a way, um, or my daughters will be learning in such a way. So yeah, I think it will be a, an evolution of the experience 
that humans have with technology. There you go. That's waffle. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think. I think it will become, for me, I think the future is in the design. Um, and when I say design, I'm going to use the two biggest things. What a near and dear to me because why the hell not? Human centered design and experience design. And when I say experience design, I don't mean. I don't mean experience design, how our industry is using it, and the fact of experience design is a learning experience design. I think learning experience design is a bullshit term. You're an experience designer, and a byproduct is learning, or a byproduct is this, or a byproduct is that. Learning experience designer, I think it's a fucking BS term. Um, so I was, <clears throat> I went on a, a masterclass over a weekend in London. Um, so I, I've kind of been doing experience design for donkeys of years but never really knew it was experience design probably until about four years ago and um so this have you ever heard of punch drunk yes yeah 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 so i went on their master class i got invited to go on their master class and it was like the most intense two days of my life but i tell you what it's completely sharpened my design thinking and when i say design thinking i don't mean the term design thinking it's design as thinking and i think that's what it should be you, Ooh, I like that, yeah. And it's um. So we when we talk about our design, you know, a lot of people design about like it looks nice, you know, UI UX, it looks nice. And actually, coming out the back of that, there's 15 different layers of design. And I'm like, hmm, I bet when people use about two or three of them when it comes to designing their experience. And my 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 experience design is that it's it's. I, I think experiences open the doors to allow changing and you have to give people experiences for them to be aware in order for you to deploy whatever you need to deploy. Fundamentally, if you don't make them care, then you can do whatever you want and it just it won't matter to them. It won't matter. Um, but yeah, it was a it was an intent. I had to sign like a little wave to say I can't talk too much about it. And it was it was it was the fact that as soon as you go on an experience design thing. And the first thing they do is give you an experience. I was like, yep, this is perfect. So I think it is design. I think it's design as thinking and and the 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 tech is going to be that. The tech is going to continue to be in that enabler. Um, I think it's just going to be enabled to enable us to do better and quicker and faster things and remove less load of, sh- of shit what we don't need to think about. mm so I, I like the fact that you, I, I think, you know, we talked about voices, compliance and stuff like that. I think that's a, a quick win. I think the only downside is, is obviously in a state where it's in now, it's, it's in still in a bit of a dumb state. But like you say, if you're looking at now, you're never going to be, you're never, you're never exactly, going to get anywhere. Yeah. So you should be looking exactly four or five years or whatever. Um, so what's, what's your biggest... Your biggest eighty twenty hack, and when I say eighty twenty, so I, I get you. You're yeah, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I have a recurring calendar thing on a Friday in the green box where I make myself do eighty twenties of my job. Um, okay, eight hours sleep, one hundred percent. Okay. So I used to have a set time when I get up in the morning, and I go to bed, and if I went to bed, I still get up with the time. Nah, maybe some days at seven, 
eight hours. I'll, I'll plan eight hours. If that means going to bed early the following night, maybe having a nap in the afternoon, doesn't matter. I am a different person with eight hours sleep. Really? Yes. More energy. I snack less. I work better. I'm patient. I yeah. And the science suggests that it's a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, a fantastic book. Yes, yes. And if you want to read a book before that, read a book called Lights Out. Have you read that? Have you come across that? No, I'm not. I'm making that. And it's about actually if you've got one pinnacle, one little pinhole of light coming through your... It uses this as an example. But if you get one one like pinhole of light coming through on your body while you're asleep... Your whole body, you know, you could be in a pitch black area, but when that light hits that part of your leg, it starts to stimulate you waking up. Even though 99% of the room is black in your sleep, it's talking about how that one pinhole of light, it's, it's, it's a good book, it's a thick book. Yeah, yeah. It's, I didn't read it all in one go, it was like in and out, in and out. But Why We Sleep is a great book, for sure. Um, I'm, you... I'm only a bit into it though, to be honest. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. And just on that note, actually, another 80-20 hack I've um, discovered is if you want to buy a book, and if it's a current book, you know, out in the last couple of years, you can bet your bottom dollar that someone's on a podcast. And so sometimes a couple of books, I've just listened to the the author, a couple of 40-minute podcasts, and you get all of the main points <laughs> rather than go, it's a great, it's, you know? So it's... That's a great, it's a great show, actually. That's a great show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so kind of this is probably coming towards like the last L and D question. Well, probably one of them. But why should people come into L and D? Like, we look at apprenticeships, grads, but maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's it's people within our corp environment who are looking like for a bit of a career shift from, let's say, from marketing or from whatever into whatever. I know what you mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think they should come in to make. Uh, impact people's lives um, as grandiose as that may seem I think start really high and I th- when you ask, ask that question the first my mind went to two things people coming from outside of um, let's just say large businesses but also people who are in those and they think okay what I'll do is I'll go into L&D and do a bit you know do some fun stuff I'll, I'll say yes to that senior stakeholder and yeah, yes to that senior stakeholder I think without actually wanting to know what the fundamentals um, of learning, training, you know, all of these pedagogical principles, what they are, or even being inquisitive, man, that's a recipe for disaster. Massive time. Because, well, that's my opinion. <laughs> okay. And I think that's a good opinion. I think that's a good opinion. I think you should, from coming from another area of a business... You should be coming in L and D to bring the tools what you know into L and D. I think that's why you should join L and D to bring the tools what you've got, what the skill set what you've got, what you see a gap in the L and D team doesn't have, and that's where you get that transferableness of of, of it. You know that that wash over. Yeah. <clears throat> but so I guess what to hmm, who's three people who everybody should follow, and actually. I'm going to pilot this question out of you. Three people who, who's the three people who should follow professionally, and three people who should follow personally. Good question. Love it. 
Well, I knew the first one was coming, um, <laughs> but the, so I do the first person ones after. So I think um, professionally, aside from yourself, of course, I um, smoother. Mark's Al Sanders, they're not doing so already. And anyone from Filtered, you know, Toby. Um, but start with Mark's. He pumps out more of the articles that I see. Um, you know, you don't. I don't think you get articles in Harvard Business Review if you're, you know, if if, if you're just smashing blogs out um, like I do or something like that. So I think it's got a very unique mind, and I think um, it's quite very objective. Um, so that's one. Um, I really like to hear Laurie Niles Hoffman. I don't think she she doesn't really pump out much that I see on like Twitter and I. I mean, I'm in and out of um, LinkedIn the, at the moment. But what I what I would say is go and look at her stuff on her website and look at some of her talks um, that's been published onto YouTube. Fascinating. Brilliant. I love it. I just love the way her mind works, but I love the way in which she portrays ideas. Mm. Yeah. It works for me. And David James. Um, well, he's a Chelsea fan as I learned recently, so that's a downer. But he doesn't tweet too much about Chelsea, which is good, whereas I tweet a lot about Tottenham. Um, <laughs> he, but yeah, he's a great guy. Extremely, he's got this knack of being an expert and knowing a lot and having great, great networks and contacts, but being so humble um, and helpful at the same time. It's a wonderful um, synergy <laughs> he's got he he's tweeting more i've noticed now he's putting stuff out on linkedin as well um and the advice he gives it's just it's practical it's he's talking from experience not opinion yeah the three people who who are the interesting characters that i follow on social media um there's a chap let me just, I'm going to log into my Twitter. I don't know if you've heard of him, but I believe his name, or his Twitter username, is at Naval. Um, N-A-V-A-L, yes. At Naval. This person, I don't know how I stumbled on um, onto his account about a year or so ago, um, but he has an unbelievable knack of concising real life philosophy into a tweet or a set of tweets and and some days like you do on twitter you scroll through and you think this is unbelievable it, it and it opens your mind um whether he's talking about finance politics whatever um so at naval is one person um i'm following a lot of journalists as as, as aforementioned uh, interest suggest wise um the but there's no one really that no one really stands out i would i would say follow a number of journalists because you'll get differences of opinion on similar topics that's what i like um that's a bit of a cop-out but that's what i do uh, it works for me um informed opinions and the final one Oh, who was it? It was a wrestler. Oh, um, Mick Foley. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just really interesting. Some of these, <laughs> I watched wrestling back in the day, but 
some of these these guys are living really really interesting lives and telling really interesting stories he did a comedy gig i think or something at sheffield united football club recently so yeah i that that's it they're the three people okay and what five tips and see i'm going with five here i'm increasing the numbers as we go here lloyd what what five tips would you give to someone who wants to be the next Lloyd? And when I say Lloyd, I mean you you in your position, what you're in right now, professionally. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, have, a, have a USP and know it and go all in on it, whatever it is. Be confident in that and just do that. But you've got to have one thing, you know, to compliment everyone else's one thing. I think um, don't be a douchebag. No, you're not important than anyone else. If you go off on, you know, if you go off and leave, the company's not going to go bust, you know. You don't have to check your email at 10 past 8. Lead by example. Uh, that'd be the second thing. I think the third thing is um, treat people as you expect to be treated. Make a note of when it's team members and peers' birthdays. Put it in your diary. Send that little note. Those things matter. It shows that you care about people. And you can't fake caring, by the way. Actually care about people you work with um, 100%. Um, The fourth one would be the conflict thing I said earlier. Don't go searching for conflict. Dress your ego down. Um, There's bigger, more important things. And the fifth one would be always think about tomorrow because you might do some great stuff. You might do a great project. You might do a great thing. But if you're thinking about what's next and what's coming tomorrow, it's going to ground you and it's going to keep you focused and not stale. Okay. Sound advice. Sound advice. (laughs) So last deep question. Do you even like yourself? (laughs) Yes, I do. Okay. That's a very deep question, my friend. Yeah, it can be deep, it can be light, it can be whatever you need it to be. So, at the start of the show, I asked you to pick four numbers. <laughs> it's um, just like a, it's an onslaught of questions here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's now like turning into news night, I love it. Yeah, so these four questions, and, and, and kind of, these... These are four items what you find on a on a desert island, and I want to know what you do with them. I'm trying to think of the numbers. I'm trying to do my recall here. So you did 22. 22. And that 50, was a sharper? 81. Yes, and 10. Then you did... Oh, sorry. No. I, I wasn't listening. No, no, it's fine. What I got to do? Um, FYI, you did 100% on recall of numbers. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> so um, number 22 was a sharpie pen. Number 10 was a glow stick. Number eighty-two was a <laughs> a um eraser, a rubber, and number fifty was a keychain. So you know, desert island. What are you doing with these four items? A sharpie is that one of the highlighter? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. like a marker <laughs> pen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. If I had a Sharpie, I'm on the desert island, I've got nothing to write on, have I? I think what I'd do is find like a tree or something where I can use the Sharpie 
and I'd write myself humorous little notes so that when I'm feeling a bit down or when I'm feeling a bit lonely on my desert island, I just have a little chuckle at them and they'd be stupid notes. Um, a glow stick. Well, well, that's quite obvious, isn't it? You've got to have your party <laughs> when the birds are flying and the sunset. You've got to go. You've got to go for it. Um, what would I do with an eraser? What would the hell would I do with an eraser on a desert island? Um, I would take the eraser part apart. And I would have one little bit of the razor, it was quite big, and I'd have 22 other smaller or medium-sized razors, and I'd make a little football pitch. And I'd still use the Sharpie and make one of the team the opposite colour to the eraser, assuming they're not the same colour. And I'd have my, I'd have my um, eraser game of Subutio, you know, every Saturday. If... Okay. And the keychain would be awarded to the winner of that game. Beautiful. So one of the one of the team would be I'd I'd carve out a little space in one of the trees, and one of the one of the teams all the eleven little dots would sit there with the keychain, like the Champions League trophy. <clears throat> yeah, we probably won't talk about it, won't they? So no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> we won't. <laughs> so projecting my anxiety and <laughs> losing now. Thank you for reminding me. So obviously, like you of all people know, we never kind of. Continue. We, we never really truly actually stopped growing and developing so at the beginning of the show I asked you what you wanted to be and, and you said a kind of a footballer right a striker if I was to ask that question now given where you are what do you want to be when you grow older I don't know but what I do know is if I'm committed and I'm prepared to take a few hits that I'll do it okay I love it I love it so Lloyd where can people find out a little bit more about what you're up to and, and what you're doing um, so like everyone, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Lloyd Dean. No, at Lloyd Dean UK. Um, you can check out if you've not listened to any of the podcasts, you can check that out just by searching the future of learning on major podcast distributors. Um, and I'm on in, in Instagram here and there. So I delete it from my phone and I add it and I delete it and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's what they can find out or they can just, well, I was going to say email me if they drop me a message on LinkedIn. Okay, okay. One more question. It's just popped to mind. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> you are a big rap hip-hop fan. Yes, yeah? I love it. What Here show? we go. I'm, go- I'm, I'm staring at the uh, Hip-Hop Raise Me book. Okay, um, okay. If I had to say, what what one hip-hop track would you use to sum up your life? What would it be? That, for me, is the deepest question you've asked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What would I say? I would probably say What's the Difference by Dr. Dre. Oh, good choice. Good choice. Lloyd, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Pleasure is mine. Thank you. Cheers, Lloyd. All right.